0: Hey folks, welcome back to Intelligent Living. Thanks for joining the podcast, where we have discussions about all things relating to life. Through science, we've learned so much about life and how to live it well, so why is it that we tend to live so foolish? Well, it's time to use that science so that we can live life with some intelligence. We can live longer, happier, more purposeful and productive lives for ourselves and for others. And this is called Intelligent Living. So here, we're going to learn, laugh, live, last, and love. Thanks for joining the conversation. there's a couple of announcements i wanted just to make i'll make some more next week but coming up we have stacy for revival at the end of next month august and then in december we have jeremiah wacker will be here he's going to be here in december and he's also going to be here in may for a full revival and then already promises like he always has but he's going to make it a point to be here before the end of the year for a revival, and then Alvin Smith's can be coming in February, because February, if you know it or not, is is uh, Black History Month. So Alvin's gonna be coming to do that in February. When Stacy is here preaching for us Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it will be in person. All the services. Saturday night will be a salvation message type sermon. It will not be a regular church service, it'll be a little different. If there's ever one night I'm gonna bring something to revival, uh, bring them on that night. I mean, you should bring them anytime, but you know, you bring a friend, the guy's preaching on money. You say, this didn't work, you know. That's what you think sometimes, but God still touches people. But that Saturday night would be a salvation <clears throat> type message done a little differently. During this time, we've had a great opportunity to think about why we do what we do during this COVID time. People stop and think, think about why we do what we do. What are we supposed to be doing? You know what we're supposed to be doing? Reaching the world. And now it's time to get back on track and make our lives have impact. Our church may have impact. And we're going to do that. I haven't always been able to move forward fast enough because of my problem. But there are young men that got energy. And all the old guys say amen. the young guys didn't say nothing. (laughs) Listen, we can do a lot. Can you say amen? amen? And we're going to. But it's going to take all of us working together to see it happen. So I challenge you just to be allow God to use your life, allow God to speak to you, because I know because I know God has so much more for all of us, so much more for your life, so much more for this church, and so much more for the city of Moreno Valley. This sermon's part five is simply you ask me. Remember, God, you often we ask God for counsel, but what we really want is confirmation of our will. This was actually a true, this was actually an, on an application. They no longer have this application, no longer use it for a job. The guy that answered this right is the guy who actually got the job. You're driving along, it's a stormy night. You pass by a bus stop and you see three people waiting to get on the bus. There's an old lady, it looks like she's about to die. Your best friend who once saved your life. And then you see the perfect woman or perfect man of your dreams standing there. There can only be one passenger in your car. You can't return to the bus once you stop or once you've left. Which one would you choose to offer a ride to? At first, I thought I would ask someone to answer it, but I don't want to embarrass nobody. (coughs) They might give a real bad answer (laughs) and say, hey, brother, you need to get help. But anyway, A, you could pick up the old lady because she's going to die and thus save her life first. You could stop and pick up your best friend because once he saved your life, this would be a perfect opportunity to pay him back. However, you may not ever find that perfect mate, husband or wife ever again. There's a chance of a lifetime. Who would you stop and pick up? This one candidate that got hired because is how he answered it. That's pretty easy. He said, I would give the keys of my car, my car keys to my old friend, and let him take the old lady to the hospital. I'll stay behind and wait for the bus with the woman of my dreams. <laughs> James says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, he could ask God who gives it generously without finding any fault, and it will be given to him. Psalm says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And so I ask the question, why so many ship, you know, we don't have to rely upon our own uh, wisdom, our own ways to navigate through life, but why are there so many people's lives shipwrecked? I'll tell you why, because they're listening to everything but God. They're, they're not asking, just think about this, the Bible says you and I as God's people, we could ask God for wisdom. You know what? We get some wisdom from God. People think, man, you got it going on. Where'd you get that from? God. Wisdom from God. In other words, we don't have to be people that are lost in the dark and stumbling. You and I have a father. We have a God who cares. We have a God who gives us insight, a God that can speak to us. But yet you look around and there are so many people's lives that even go to church, absolutely go to church, but their lives are a total mess. And I think, how can this be? What's not happening in people's lives? How did they get into this place? Well, let's read our text and I'll get into this. It'll be a short message. Follow with me. Second Kings chapter four. It's about the woman again. Elisha said to her, "I wonder how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house?" She said nothing," she said, but a little oil. Excuse me. He said, here's what you do, Elisha, said. Go up and down the streets and borrow jugs and bowls from your neighbors. And not just a few, get all you can. Then come back and lock the door behind you, you and your sons, and pour oil into each container. When it's full, set it aside. Then John chapter 21. John chapter 21. I'll read one verse and I'll fill you in. It says, Jesus speaking, I'm telling you this very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wished. But when you get old, you'll have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you do not want to go. Where you do not Want to go. Remember that. So in this story, if I was going to, I'm not going to have extra points. I don't want to do that to Tim or Sharon, but I would put an A point would be, but I don't want to. There's so many things in our life that we've said that to about, I don't care what it is, but I don't want to do that growing up as a kid. But I don't want to do that. No, but, but I don't want to do that. But there's things we got to do, even though we don't want to do that. What I found interesting about this story in the Book of John is, if you read the story, Jesus is talking to—I Pe- mean, uh, talking to Peter. It's in the Book of John. He's talking to Peter, and Jesus is telling Peter how basically how he's going to die. Peter understands it. You don't understand it completely, but he's getting the handle on this. He's talking to him. Listen, Peter, when you're young. You did what you wanted to do. But when you get older, you're going to be asked to do something you don't want to do. Let me stop there for a moment. Even though he's going to be asked to do something he does not want to do, he still has human choice. He could have said, you know what? I don't want to do it. I'm not going to. He could have chosen. You know what I mean? God doesn't make you surrender. God doesn't make you sacrifice. God doesn't make you do none of those things. He will challenge us. And he says, Peter, this is how you're going to die. And Peter's listening to this like, And then he does like a lot of us might do. I don't know. The Bible says he looks around. He sees John, who wrote the book of John. And he says, what about him? What about him, Lord? What's going to happen with him? And Jesus says, if I want him to stay around and live, he can live. If I want him to die, he can die. But what's that to you? That's nothing to do with you. You take care of you. Here's what we say, you know what, hold on, you're calling me to sacrifice, you're calling me to, you're telling me I'm going to die, and Peter did die, he was crucified upside down. You're going to tell me to die, and then, well, it's not fair, what about this guy? Well, listen, God's will for every one of us is always different. And he says, well, hold on, because that's how we are. You know, if I got to suffer, what about him? That's how we are. I'm going to suffer. You better suffer. It's not fair. It's not good. God. God said, Jesus said, don't worry about him. You worry about you. And then it says that a rumor got started that John would live forever, but that's not what Jesus said. You read it. The rumor got going that John would, you know, would not die, and Jesus said, that's, but that's not what Jesus said. There are so many rumors people give in the church, but that's not what Jesus said. That's how you interpret it, but that's not what Jesus said, John. That's not what Jesus said to Peter. But he tells Peter, there's coming a day where the will of God is going to press on you. And you're going to be asked to do something you do not want to do. You will will not want to go there. But in that, he would still have to choose. So there's a phrase. That phrase that says, you do not want to go. Listen to what it means. It's the idea to wish, to extend, to design. The phrase was commonly used to extend God's best offer to a believer. God's best offer to a believer. If it's the best offer given to me, don't you think I should look at it and go, that's a good offer? You mean to tell me God's best offer for my life, it can be something that I could say, I don't want to. And I would probably say that probably gives us a little insight into a lot of people's messed up lives. There comes points in times where there's exactly what God gives them, this his, his best offer. He is desired to bless. It's a design to change. It's a design to help. But that offer God gets in their mind, this is something I do not want to do. That to me is crazy. How can God's best offer be something I say in my heart, I don't want it. How can any of us say that? How can any of us say to God, your best offer to me, I don't want it. But that's exactly what it, that's exactly what it says. Because the price that's in it. We look at today, we might look at tomorrow. God looks at a thousand years from now. says, this will make sense down the road, Carrie. But this is my best offer right now. Doesn't look like a good offer. Can we do some offer up? Can we make this little change? Can we change the offer a little bit? Like change it a little bit? No, it's my best offer. And the will of God is going to press upon you to the point that you're going to be taken to a place you don't want to go. But you still go because you love me more than you love yourself. So here's my point. I know I could end it right here, right? <laughs> if we're on it, altars should be full. But you know, every preacher knows that people that should be at the altar stay in the seats. People that don't need to be at the altar come to the altar. The softest heart comes. And sometimes you see people that should come, you always want well, to grab it. Sorry, the message was for you. Get down there. You got this thing mixed up. It's always the soft hearts that come to the altar. Always. Some people, they come, they always come. People, are good, just good hearts, open hearts, They come and they come and come. And sometimes the people that are the most needful or the most, sometimes are the people that sit there, the most resentful or the most closed up. So here's my point is that ought to, Cause us to stop and think about our lives. I mean, it's possible, God, you can offer me the best offer and I can look at it in such a way that I think, I don't want your best offer. I want something else. Man, we're, when we choose that, something's messed up. And not messed up with God. Well, he shouldn't never give me that kind of offer. He need to change that stuff up. I am changing nothing up. It is what it is. The rich young ruler inherited his money. Young, you don't make money early. He inherited all the money. He inherited all the blessing. He said, I really want to follow you. And she said, okay, fine. Take your money, give it to the uh, potter's house <laughs> of Merino Valley and follow me. And the Bible says he went away sad. Jesus let him walk away. He didn't go and say, no, I'm sorry. Uh, like today, oh, did that offend you? What I meant was kind of sell your goods, kind of give some away, kind of, you know, just kind of. Whatever you feel like you want to give away, you go ahead. It's not what he said. He didn't change his offer. This is what it is. And a number of times the disciples said, Jesus, you're offending some people by some of the things you're saying. Jesus said, it's a heart issue, basically. He said, it's a heart issue. Let the chips fall where they fall. Jesus was not a politician. That's why they crucified him. People say, well, you well, well, we living now, what would happen? If Jesus were to come now, people wonder, would they crucify him? They would crucify him quicker. And the ones that would lead the charge are religious Christians. So how can this be? How can this be that God would extend his best offer to my life? And in my mind, this is something I I don't even want. I have no desire for it because in God's design for my life, it it, it takes you and I living it by faith. I'm not going to do this because I I feel like it. I'm not going to know what I, I have to do this based on the character of God. Then I thought about that verse. It says in Isaiah, most of you know it. It says Isaiah 53 verse 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. Gone astray. That word means to mislead. It means to mentally and morally be seduced or deceived. It means to be intoxicated. Yeah, you and I get intoxicated with self-will right? And when someone's intoxicated, uh, you know they get those beer muscles, they get intoxicated and they don't know they know they're intoxicated, but they're, they're, they're crazy. So it is with you and I we get intoxicated with our self-will. That's what the word means, gone astray. you get intoxicated with self-will and you become misled, misguided, morally, make bad choices, end up the wrong places because it's you. Listen, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I have to grab with both hands, I'm shaking too much. And if you laugh at me, I pray you get double shakes. <laughs> shake, shake, shake. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Look at this. Let me show you something. Wow, time. Put up this picture. <clears throat> Isn't that beautiful? I guess you guys know me. He ain't saying a word. What's he up to What's next? He's setting us up. He, he, I know Pastor Carey. I know he likes flowers, but there's got to be a reason he's been up a picture of a flower. This flower can get up to 10 feet. It's beautiful. And that's not that doesn't show it just. I have a colored photo of it. That's a colored photo I know, but when I have is beautiful. You look at it and go, wow. That's a picture of the human will, self-will. Let me say it to you like this. This is actually called the corpse flower. It's beautiful. And I put, it's a picture of the human will. We get seduced by our human will, intoxicated with self-will. And like this picture here, this is what it says in this article. It says, this thing grows up to 10 feet tall. It looks absolutely beautiful. And it's not like other plants because it looks like it offers nectar, but there's no re- real reward here. There is no nectar. Animals come, they look at that, there's a bunch of nectar, there's nothing there. And the biggest problem, reason they call it corpse flower, because this plant smells like no other plant. It smells like a dead person. It has the exact same smell as a rotting person who's died. Now, ain't nobody going to want up a whiff that. But let's be honest, it looks so Beautiful. Our flesh, our way, but it reeks of death. There's nothing that it promises. We do the same. We parade around as something to be admired. We live stream our sin. We see, we, we get the whole world to see it, but yeah, it looks beautiful, bro. Yeah, but your way looks beautiful, but you know what? It really stinks. Our way, if you understand what's really inside you, if you really understand, if you would honestly admit some of the thoughts you think, So you know what, you know what, I, I, yeah, rotten flesh. My way stinks compared to the will of God. My way will ruin me compared to the will of God. I know it looks pretty, bro. It looks beautiful. Our way always looks beautiful. My way is colorful. It, sh- it always looks colorful. But at the end ain't over yet. Do you think when someone shipwrecks their life, they plan on shipwrecking their life? No. No. And their mind, what they're deciding to do is so beautiful and right. It just just feels right. And I get close and I smell it. It smells like death. What are you talking about? They said it smells like someone that's died for three days, rotting human flesh. So they call it the corpse flower. And so here we have our beautiful plans. Our beautiful self will do what we want to do. We got it all together, but the truth is without God helping us, if we rely upon that, we're in trouble, but people do it all day long. And you know what? Because it's easy to do. It's easy to live a life with total disregard to God. And make choices and decisions without any commitment. Like, this is what I'm going to do. It looks good. It's colorful, bro. You got it all. You had a brochure about your life. That's great. But the truth is, the bottom line is, it ain't good in the end. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. Romans 12 says, Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing. The Weymouth version says, do not follow the customs of this present age, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds so that you may learn to experience what God's will is and what is good and what is beautiful and what is perfect. I want you to notice the sequence. Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Then, remember the word then, then you know how, then you have some discernment. If you allow God to change your mind, transform you, then when that happens in your life, now you got some discernment to know what the will of God is, what's good, what's right. But if you don't allow God to change your mind, you think like the world, then you will never recognize the will of God. Because the Bible says, then you'll be able to recognize what God's will. Then you'll be able to recognize what's right. You do right, then you can recognize right. You do what you want to do, you won't recognize right. Right in your warped mind is right. I mean, wrong in your warped mind is right. Bro, I understand what you're saying, but your thinking's wrong. You're thinking just like the world, because you're thinking just like the world. You don't even recognize God's will, how good and how perfect it really is. You think it's something to be avoided. Hmm. The Bible says, "The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The purposes of His heart." To all generations. Now, the version says, don't follow the customs of this world, but let God transform you inwardly. Why does it say let God? Because no one can make you. You want to change? I can't beat you up and make you change. Your wife can't change you. I know she tries, but she can't. Right? No, what we all have to be willing to do every time we come to church, we have to be willing to open the doors of our heart and let God change us. There better be a let in our life. Let God change us. You're not, be, you're not done being changed. Right? None of us are. We're not done being changed. You think, no, 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 we're going to be, ch-. the longer you're on planet Earth, you might, by the grace of God, live to be 90. I'm going to live to be 200 in my mind. But the bottom line is the whole time we're on earth, we're going to be, if we're honest, we're going to be, we're going to be changed. We need to be changed over and over and over. We never, we never stop growing and changing. But if that's going to happen. We have to let him change us. Why do you think some people get stuck? Because they never let God change them. They let God, they hear God's talk. That's about it. Just talk. Just someone talking. Someone yell at them, preaching, whatever. They'll hear it and they let it go. They don't let God, they don't let God inside to change them. It's an act of the human will. So let's go back to our story. I know you thought I forgot about it, but I haven't. Our story quickly is this woman comes to Elisha, remember? And Elisha's going to tell her something, but what I want you to understand this morning from this text, besides what I've already said, is that he's going to give her some an answer because she came to him because she don't have the answers. Remember that. That's the title of the sermon. Remember, you asked me. You asked me, I'm going to give you some direction, and the answers that I'm going to give you, you probably are not going to hear from anyone else. The answer I'm about to give you, you probably aren't going to hear from your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, your unsafe friends. No one's going to give you the answer that I'm about to give you. And because of that, remember, you asked me, and so I'm going to tell you, but you're not going to get the answer from anyone else. This, the answer I got is different than everyone else's answer. Are you ready for that? So that's what I wants to know. Are, are you ready to... I'm going to tell you to do something. It's going to sound crazy and wacky. He doesn't say that in my version, but he is going to say some things to her. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. You know, you have to be very, very careful who you let speak into your life. If you're around the wrong person, This woman's wise. This widow's wise. You know why? Because she goes to, quote, say the church, the preacher, the pastor, the prophet, whatever. She goes and she hears a word from God. And the Bible says she goes out and does it. She doesn't go out and dissect it. She doesn't go out and discuss it. You don't need to discuss the will of God. You just need to do the will of God. She could have went out and said, you know what, I went to church today, and the, and the guy said, go gather a bunch of empty vessels. So what do you think, Dad? What do you think, Mom? Or you see a friend? What do you think? Some unsaved friend. Oh, that's dumb. Well, who told you to go gather an empty vessel? That's really dumb. You're asking the wrong people. A lot of what we do to the world is, it makes no sense to the world. You see people get All crazy the time you support his church financially what you give your money to that church all your money none has got a lot of money come on you know people are so funny they say stuff like that until they need help let's remember that you couldn't fix it you know, most of you the first day you came to church or came to Christ, because this was this was embedded in your head. I couldn't fix it. I need God. You need God just as much, if not more, now. But you know what happens? We come for a while and we say, now nah, I can fix it. I'm pretty sharp now. I know four Bible verses. I'm pretty sharp. I've been coming to church 10 years. I know Alvin. I know Marty. And then we think, we know better now. We know better now. I know, we know better. No. Let's go back to the very beginning. She comes to him because she has a problem in her life that she cannot fix. We all have issues in our life that only God can fix. And only God could help us. We got saved because we realized we could not fix our life. We could not get delivered. We could not change. We wanted change. We didn't know what we were searching for. We were searching. We had no idea. But we met Jesus Christ. He changed our life. It's total dependence on him. And that should never change. Listen to this. This was years ago, Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting, This December 14th, 2012. Took the lives of 20 innocent children and six adults. The guy talks about, as a nation, we're groping for answers. How can something like this happen? And I think I even wrote it down here. As of two twenty one, I didn't put down the date. I had may... Of 221, we've had 225 mass shootings in America. 225. So, people make similarities between all these tragedies, Columbine High School, Virginia Tech University, these others. And they ask the question, is America facing a mental health crisis? What's going on? Listen to this response by Daryl Scott. Daryl Scott, whose daughter, Rachel, was killed at Columbine Massacre, delivered the following words in testimony before Congress in 1999. He says, I'm here today to declare that Columbine was not just a tragedy. It was a spiritual event that should be forcing us to look at where the real blame lies. He said, I wrote a poem after my daughter died. I think it expresses my feelings the best, so let me read it to you, Congressman. Here's what he says. Your laws ignore our deepest needs. Your words are empty air. You stripped away our heritage. You've outlawed simple prayer. Now gunshots fill our classrooms, and precious children die. You seek for answers everywhere, and... Ask the question, why? You regulate restrictive laws through legislative creed, what you fail to understand is that God is what we need. He told the congressman, our nation needs God. We forgot that. Let me move on here quickly. So he tells you what to do, and I think when he says, go to your neighbors, borrow the empty vessels, come into your house, pour them out, set one aside. When they're all full, set them aside. Just stop there. This is a real problem because there's people even listening to me right now that are not ever moved. They they don't ever find real answers. They never move to real answers, and there's two things that I thought of. One is because they don't expect God to ask them to do anything. Elijah didn't go collect empty vessels for her. Elijah didn't say, you know, I'm just going to help you out, girl. You just stay right here. I'm going to me and your sons and go collect. No, Elijah didn't say, no, there's something you must do. And this generation has a problem with act. They want, but they don't want to do. And so it is with people. You want God to help you. Yeah, I want God. Well, have to, you might have to do something. Because you might have to do something, you may have to act, you may have to uh, engage your will, you may have to push yourself. Well, I'm not well. I'm not. You know, this is not me. Well, it is you now. And the second thing is that a lot of times, like this scripture here, I have to admit, it makes no sense. But if there's going to be a miracle, there's always a moment. That you and I have to make a decision. You know what? I heard what God said. It makes no sense at all, at all, really. But, you know what? If something's going to happen, I, I'm one choice. Either I'm going to listen and obey or I'm not. There's not like three choices here. Obey or not obey. It's not like obey or kind of obey, mis- disobey. No, no. Either you're going to do what the preacher told you to do. Elisha tells this woman, this, this is the answer. She don't understand how this is an answer. He doesn't tell her all of that. I've said that before. Our life is always lived one step at a time. We want the answer. uh, Tell me how it's all going to work out. No one knows how it's all going to work out until you work it out, until you take the first step, until you do your part. We have no idea. You have to act. You have to have some faith. Jesus said, "If you continue in my word, you might." The whole part part there is, you got to continue. You can't just stand static and just say, "Okay, Elisha, you go collect the vessels for me. You go do all of that. I'll just stay here expect a miracle." It doesn't work that way. God expects you to do something. Hebrews 11:6 says, "No one can please God without faith. Whoever comes to God must believe." That He exists and He rewards those who seek Him. Let me end right here. Because I think this is very important. And You can start the music there, Elliot. I'm going to end this thing here quick. But this really speaks to me. And this is where some of you are at right now. Some of you aren't. But... When the disciples came to jesus about faith and jesus talked to them about a mustard seed and they they couldn't cast out this demon but he, he makes a statement to them he, jesus said because you're unbelief he said if you just had the faith of a mustard seed you'd say to this mountain be thou removed and it'd be done and people get all caught up in all different things about that verse but the obvious one to me i plant seeds i plant plants and what he's saying is, you might have a mustard seed. It's not the size of your faith. Faith doesn't need size. Faith, the size of a seed. the mustard seed is very tiny. If I had one, you probably couldn't even see it. Tiny. Seeds aren't made to be looked at. Seeds are made to be planted. It doesn't matter how much faith you can look at and say, oh, I got so much faith. You need to plant that faith. Like some people are telling, I got so much faith. so say, you don't, you don't have enough faith to get back on a Sunday night. You don't have enough faith to come to church more than once a week, maybe. And some people say, if you're new, I get it. God, you grow in your grace. But if you've been around for a long time, some people they just they get on their pastor's nerves, the last nerve he has. That's what they say. I'm so strong. If you're so strong, why don't you be committed to Christ? Be committed to the church. Jesus says, you gotta take the seed and you gotta plant it people come into my house not that often but they look around I'll use it for another sermon but they say was all this here before what do you mean was it like this when you got it no you notice all the other houses none of this no who did it how did you he get here someone planted a seed not all but a lot of it I planted myself Listen, I don't care how much you, you can talk all day, we can talk all day long. How much faith do you have, bro? I got a lot. I got a lot of faith, man. Plant it, please. Plant it. If you plant it, it can become useful. That's what he's telling the disciples. We hear sermons, I'll get to it next week. We hear sermons. Why do we hear sermons? What's the point of this exercise? So we can draw closer to Christ. Not so we love the world more. Draw closer to Christ, transform us to be a vessel unto glory and reach as many people as we possibly can while we're still alive. We don't come to be entertained. We come by the grace of God to have God's seed be planted in us where we can change. I feel sorry for the Christian who feels like they, they're not ever going to change again. If, I don't want to be the same care I am today, two years from today. Jesus says, you got to plant what you got. That's why it didn't work for you guys. Girl, it's not how much you know, it's what you do. Take it, put it in the ground, put it in the ground. And it is a lot, a lot of work to plant seed. I'll get to that later. But now the sermon, it's a lot, a lot of work. And what you put, you put it in the ground and no one can see it. You know, there's a lot of things God does in our heart and life that no one can see. And you might be tempted to think God's not doing nothing. If that seed is planted, trust me, it's at work, supernaturally at work in your heart. And no one can see it until it begins to grow go back to the woman and this hit me I thought this is so so true but it's so hard he says you go collect listen to this you go collect the emptiness of your neighbors that's a powerful thought listen to this two things I'm gonna close Your neighbor's emptiness, can it be trusted in your hands? Your neighbor, people that are lost, their emptiness, can it be given to you? Can you be trusted in your hands? You know, some people, they may know their friends or they might know people that have all these problems, but their their emptiness can't be trusted. They talk about them. Can someone come to you and... Let you see that they're empty and broken and tired and wary, wary, <laughs> weary and just wore out. And they can be trusted. Their emptiness can be trusted in your hands. But that's not my main thought. That's one of them. The other thought is this. is that before God can move in our life, sometimes God has to increase... Our emptiness before He can help us. God has to increase our emptiness before He can help us. Let that sink in. I'll tell you what emptiness speaks of. Emptiness speaks of no answers, problems that are bigger than you, discouragement, depression, And sometimes God has to increase our emptiness before He can help us. Because unless He does, we won't ask Him for help. Sometimes it is in our emptiness that we finally say, okay, okay, I get it, God. I need help. About time, you ask. I wanted to help you all along. Sometimes my grandkids would be, like Ethan would be pulling something or grabbing something, and I'll try to grab it. He said, I can, I can do it myself. Then he tries, he can't do it. He says, Okay, I need your help. That's how we are with God. I can do it. I, 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 got, I got this God. He goes, Okay. He says, I, gotta, I don't have it. I need your help. And sometimes God has to increase our emptiness. And we look at it as something very bad. God, I'm more empty now than I've ever been. Perfect place, why? Because that's the only vessel you heard me say it last three weeks. That is the only vessels God fills are empty vessels. Don't you bow your heads? Every head bowed and please every eye closed. father of the daughter that was killed says what you fail to understand is that God is what we need maybe you're in a position right now where God is expecting you to act God is asking you and you say It oh, makes no sense to me and you're fighting that will the answer makes no sense or you're like Peter in the book of John he, Jesus tells him you're going to go where you don't want to go and yet that would be God's best offer for his life and yet it would be something he would rather not have that's scary to me because if it could happen to him it could happen to any one of us God's best offer to us can be something we look at from the natural and say this is not what I want I want nothing to do with this but yet it's God's best offer just very quickly you're in this place you see you know what God you're talking to me just quickly raise your hand all different there's things God wants to challenge some of you God wants you to grow God wants to change There's so many things it's so easy to come here and just go without even allowing God to do really what he wants to do by letting him transform us by letting him into our mind by letting him into our morals by letting Him into our decision-making process say, so, you know what, okay, I, no, I get it. Yeah, our flower looks beautiful. Trust me, I know. It looks beautiful, colorful, attractive, but it's fallen man. It smells of death. And the only way we live and have our being is in God. Anyone else, you see, seen you know, God, you're talking to me about some things raise your hand quickly before I close this I see that prayer and I see that and I see that and I see that and I see that that and it's crazy because there's folks here this morning you know you know in your heart of hearts that you're not fully obedient you kind of laugh it off well I know I should do that but I don't you kind of laugh it off you need to be very careful Maybe you're watching me this morning or you're listening to me and you're not right with God. You want to get your heart right with God. You say, I want to give my life to Christ. So here's my hand. I want to surrender and give my life to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand if that's you this morning. Anyone in the congregation? Maybe you're watching me. You say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for my sins. Come into my life. Have your way forgive me. I want to live for you. My life's yours. I'm going to go to church. I'll find a church. I'll let you transform me. I want you to change me. Let's all stand. we we'll sing a song of worship. These altars are open. Many, many hands raised. Find a place to pray in the aisles or up front on the side, wherever you want to come. But fill the altars, please. Fill the altars. You raised your hand. Fill the altar. Hey folks, I really hope this episode encouraged you to live a more purposeful and intelligent life. If it did bless you, would you share it with somebody who you love as well? Thanks again for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time.